Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. It is good to be with you again. Uh, Back in March, April, May, somewhere along there, I think I preached to, I think I preached to most of you all on the phone, at least a few of you, but it's good to be here in person. Before I get into the message this morning, I do want to send greetings to you from most of y'all's cousin or nephew. Uh, Stocking the curb and good yesterday and told him we were coming down here. And, and uh, he said, well, tell my relatives hi for me, so I'm going to pass the word along. By way of introduction to the message this morning, you know, when we come to the end of the year, most businesses take inventory. Or maybe you do it on a monthly basis. I don't know how you do it, but you take inventory and you see in your business or whatever what you have. And Part of the job for people restocking shelves is to get something that you don't have. Maybe you're out of something, and so you need to order something in. And especially over the last few months, I've heard people say, well, we can't do this, and we can't do that. And that is true, but what can you do? The last Sunday, our granddaughter was at our house and my wife brought the box of toys out for her and dumped them out there on the floor. And Glendon reached over and grabbed her little cow and She started squalling a little bit. Well, the reason she did was because she was focusing on what Glendon took, not on what was on the floor. There was more on the floor than what Glendon took. She realized she didn't have that cow. But she had all these other toys, and sometimes we're like that. And so the title of the message this morning is what Christians have. What do you have? I've listed ten things, well nine things, I guess you could add the tenth one. As I was thinking of the last one, I thought of another one, but basically nine things that we as Christians have. I will be looking at a number of scriptures. I don't necessarily have any one particular text. And they say you shouldn't do that when you preach, but this sermon lends itself to that. If you want to just simply sit and listen, that's fine, but just stay awake. Colossians chapter 2. I want to start with that one. Colossians chapter 2. We as Christians have Christ Jesus. 
and as we think of this situation that our world is in today, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. Colossians 2, I want to start reading here verse 6. He says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through, vain, through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins and of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I believe I'll stop there. Now notice here, he's saying that we have received Christ. And because we have received Christ, he goes down through here and says all the benefits we receive because we have Christ. It says, for in him, speaking of Jesus, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, when God sent Jesus to this earth, he did it in a bodily form. And so here we have the fullness of the Godhead. And he says, ye are complete in him, in Jesus. Go now to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. This is again speaking of Jesus. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, the King James Version doesn't lend itself very well to or as good as some other translations here, but the word power means the right. You know, a lot of people will talk about their rights these days. Well, here he says, to as many as received him, to as many as received Jesus, to them gave he the right to become the sons of God or the children of God. And so through Jesus, we can have that. That's something we have as Christians. In Acts chapter 24, verse 25, Felix told Paul, he said, when it is a convenient time, I will call for you. When it's convenient. 
I imagine for some people it's a little more convenient now than what it used to be. A convenient time. In 2 Corinthians 2, or 6, 2, Paul said, Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And because we have Jesus, brings me to my second point, we have redemption. We have redemption. Go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. I'll just pick out a couple of verses here. Verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now go down to verse 7. He says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Forgiveness of sins. They basically have the same thing recorded in Colossians 1.14. What is redemption? A few years ago, my dog ran off. And I had to redeem my dog. I done bought him once. I wanted him back. Just so happened, somebody took him to the SPCA a couple miles across the hill. And there was conditions that need to be met to, for me to redeem my dog. It's almost an insult. I had to get the dog. Well, first of all, I had to pay the fee. Redemption means deliverance by payment of a price. And that's what I did. I redeemed my dog. Okay? Before they would release it, first of all, I had to take it to the vet and get a rabies shot. Then I had to pay the fee for as long as the dog was there. I redeemed my dog. I bought it back. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 3, except a man be born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So as Christians, we have been redeemed. Now, I want to ask you a question. As we go down through these things, has COVID affected any of these? Has COVID changed any of these? No, absolutely not. It changes the way we do things. You know, the older we get, the less we like change. I'll be right up front with that one. 
Go to 1 John 5. Talking about redemption here. 1 John 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now skip down to verses 4 and 5. It says, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Redemption. We need to believe. We need to have faith. Go on down to verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness of himself, in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. It is only through redemption that we can have eternal life. Number three, we have the Holy Spirit. John 14. This was the promise of the Comforter. Verse 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Comforter, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit has come to us who have received Jesus. Go down to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. Now go down to verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you, and which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And as Paul was writing here to the Corinthians, he said, don't defile your temple. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what we have, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Go now to Acts chapter 1. 
Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we have the coming of the Holy Spirit. says, but ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and unto all the uttermost parts of the earth. Power. That's what we get when we receive the Holy Spirit. Power. Not our power. God's power. We receive the Holy Spirit. Go now to chapter 8. I want to read here the account of Simon. He wanted to receive the Holy Ghost, but he didn't want to, he didn't want to do it the way it should have been done. But he did. He wanted to buy the Holy Ghost. He wanted to buy the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm sure there's a lot of people today that would probably want to try to do that. But you need to do it God's way. Notice here, starting at verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power... That on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. There's a lot of people who would like to receive the Holy Spirit. And there's probably some that profess to have the Holy Spirit. But if you don't receive it the way it is to be received, you won't have it. Go now to Acts chapter 11. Starting in verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the, the like gift, as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Here again, the Holy Ghost was given. The power of the Holy Ghost. God gave them the like gift as he did unto us. Do you realize that the Holy Ghost is a gift? Numerous times here throughout scripture, he refers to this Holy Spirit as a gift. And so let's enjoy that gift. It's something we have. Go 
Number four, access to God. Access to God. When you have access to a building, what do you have? Or what do you probably have in your pocket? A key. A key. You have access. It's a way to get there. It's a way to get in. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. He's talking here about unity of believers. And notice what Paul says here. I want to read here verses 11 through 13. He says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, you are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Now go over to verse 18. For through him we both, and he's referring here to the Jews and the Gentiles, who have received Jesus, through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. He's saying, I gave both of them keys. They have access now. Go to John chapter 10. He speaks of access here. John chapter 10. I don't think I'll take the time to read this, but in verse 9, I'll focus on verse 9. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. In other words, you can come and go. He's talking here about the sheep. Okay, the sheepfold. They would take the sheep in at night. And they would let them out during the day. Jesus said, by me ye shall be saved. That's the access we can have to God. Do you have the key? Have you accepted the provisions to receive a key? Number five. Go to 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, we have an advocate. An advocate is one who pleads another's cause before a tribunal or judicial court. 
Did you ever have anybody, did you ever have anybody plead your cause? First John 2, verse 1. He says, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Another word may be intercessor. We have an intercessor, one who intercedes. We have that in Christ. John 15:26 says this. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So here we have Jesus saying that when the Holy Ghost has come, he will testify of me. And so we have an advocate with Jesus, or through Jesus. He is our advocate. Number six, we have a high priest. A high priest. And you might be thinking, well, we're in the New Testament. We don't need a priest. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. I want to read here verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now that word boldly doesn't lend itself very well to what he's trying to get across. It's confidently. You know, we think of somebody that is bold, maybe they're rash or proud or whatever. But confidently. Somebody can be confident and still not be proud. I think there's probably a few deer hunters here. When you go to the woods to hunt, do you go confidently or not? You know there's a deer out there, right? And so you go confidently. We can come to God confidently. Turn now to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, I want to read here verses 1 through 6. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens in the heavens 
a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, he, he that, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is a mediator of the better covenant, of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. And so here again, he is our mediator. He is our advocate. He is our high priest. The one who has access to God. The high priest was the one that had access to God. Jesus is our high priest. We have, number seven, a precious faith. A precious faith. And it's interesting, as we go through life, especially the last few months, how precious that is. Go to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter 1, I'll read here verses 1 through 4. Let me just start at verse 2. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Boy, do we need that today or what? Exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we can be partakers of the divine nature. Not the nature of the old man, but the divine nature. And then he tells us in the next few verses what we are to add to our faith. We don't just remain stagnant. We are to, to, to continually grow. And he tells us here in a few verses what we are to add to our faith. Number eight, we have an inheritance. You know, most people like an inheritance, right? I don't know, maybe you were a benefactor of an inheritance. But notice here in Romans chapter 8, he talks about this. Romans 8, 
verses 16 and 17. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. You cannot be a benefactor of an inheritance if you're not an heir. And here he says we are an heir. Not only an heir, but a joint heir together with Christ. It's a benefit. It's a blessing that we have. Go to Acts 26. This is Paul testifying of, of his conversion. Maybe I'll just read here verse 18. He says, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive, for, receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. This was Paul's testimony. This was what God said to him, what Jesus said to him when he was converted. He said, you will receive an inheritance. And so that brings me to the next point. What is that inheritance? It's eternal life. Now we can't fathom what eternity is. Because all we go by is time. In John 3... Jesus promised Nicodemus eternal life. John 3, starting in verse 14, this was Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. He said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Eternal life. We can live forever. There's nothing we can do physically. You can try. Eventually these bodies wear out. We all know that. couple more verses yet. 1 John 5. Verses 11 through 13. It says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this is life in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. What did Eli Yitzhi say, used to say? Either you're a Satan or you ain't. 
Verse 13, yet, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. We can have eternal life. And as I read verse 13, this was where I come up with number 10, we can have assurance of salvation. We can know that we are saved. We need to meet the requirements that God has laid out for us, but we can know. And so as we go throughout life, let's remember what we have. At this point, we don't need to hide behind the pulpit because somebody's shooting at us. We don't need to lock the doors or hide in a closet somewhere to worship. I guess the last few months, some people thought they were. But God has blessed us in so many ways, and we have so much. Let's worship him and be thankful for him. Shall we have a song?